Welcome back to Killer Fun. I'm Christy. I'm Jackie. And we're so glad that you're back with us today. Today we are talking about you. Not you, but you, the television show that has taken Netflix by storm. Everybody loves this show. Yes. Well, everybody but my husband. Well. But everybody loves this show. I would say almost all women really like this show. Ooh, that's probably a true statement. And this this is a crime and entertainment show that is... Very, I would say women oriented. Probably so. It was it was a book, so it's based on a book by Caroline Kepnes. She uh, wrote a book of the same name. This basically follows the same story. So it stars Penn Bagley as Joe, who was. Gossip Girl. He was in Gossip Girl. He Which was I've Dan, never seen. Dan Humphrey. Oh, if you like this, Gossip Girl is a guilty pleasure. <laughs> and I would say it's a much, it's a better made guilty pleasure than like Pretty Little Liars, which was also a guilty pleasure. I thought you pleasure. loved that. I, I, I love it less now that it's ended because the ending was so bad. It was so bad, bad, like awful bad, like the worst soap opera bad. You know, it's funny because I've heard you say that, and I actually heard other people say that, but I really get a kick out of watching the impassioned hatred for the final episode of the series. Well, because it was so fun and, like, silly. And then they turned it and tried to make it serious. Yeah. But also very soap opera Yeah, exactly. Mm. Exactly. That makes sense. Yeah. But this series, this series I feel like should be crossover between, you know, guilty pleasure to a little bit more mainstream. Mm. But I can also see how women would gravitate towards it the same way they did Pretty Little Liars or Gossip Girl. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's amazing because those shows were originally geared towards, like, young teenagers. Oh, young adult. Yeah. Twilight. Yeah. And then there's a whole bunch of people like me, 40-something-year-old moms, who are like, (laughs) oh, Yeah. I'm I'm good. I'm here for that. It also stars Elizabeth Lale as Beck, and she was Anna in Once Upon a Time. Thank you. Oh, yeah. I, Were you trying to place her? Yes. See, and I, I tried to watch that show. I know a lot of people who love it, and I'm if you love it, awesome. Good for you. I I couldn't get into it. No, my no. son loves it. Oh, really? Oh, it's oh, like love totally love. fine. Yeah? It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Just fine. (laughs) Uh, We also have uh, Daniel Cosgrove as Ron. He was Aiden Jennings in Days of Our Lives. And Shay Mitchell, speaking of Pretty Little Liars, the lady who played Peach Mm -hmm. was Emily in Pretty Little Liars. Again, I haven't seen that show either. Yeah. So there's some crossover there. It all kind of makes sense. So what network was uh, Pretty Little Liars? It was, well, it started out on ABC Family. Oh, really? And that, yeah. And then ABC Family turned into Freeform because oh. shows like Pretty Little Liars Don't fit and ABC Family <laughs> and uh, Secret Life of the American Teenager. That was another one that was yeah, on there. It was, hmm. it was but this okay. one, you started off on Lifetime. It started off on Lifetime. It made the jump to Netflix as a Netflix original. As a Netflix original, so it's gotten a wider audience, and that's kind of why I didn't suggest that we cover it because I started watching it on Lifetime last fall of 2018. I started watching it and really enjoyed it and thought it would be a really good fit, but not everybody has the option to watch Lifetime. So many people are cord cutters now. So are we. We have Hulu. Right. So that's how I was watching it. Well, and again, Lifetime, if you have it, doesn't mean you're watching it. No. You know, because as I like to point out, they don't have the Golden Girls anymore. <laughs> right. It's on life, or not on Lifetime, it's on Hallmark now. Uh-huh. And so Hallmark has my business. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Well, they're lost. They're lost. Golden <laughs> Girls, legend. Yes. Yeah. All right. So shall we dive into this we episode? Shall. This right. We're looking at the pilot today. Yes. Just the pilot. So we are definitely going to spoil the pilot for you. Spoiler <laughs> if- alert. If you haven't watched it, but there's 10 episodes, I think. So a lot happens in this episode. We're absolutely not going to be spoiling the entire series for you by any stretch of the Mm -hmm. imagination. I like that it was uh, narrated. I did too. Yeah, which 
a friend of mine that I went to a concert with last weekend, a man, said that's what he didn't like about it. He didn't like that it was narrated. I can understand that. Now, my husband, well, he didn't really quite like... I forced him to watch it with me. Um, He didn't really quite like it. And and to be fair, he is a filmmaker. His opinion has a lot of value. But overall, he always points out that a lot of these series, and even a lot of movies, have the exposition man. The plot Mm. explanation man. And narration can come off that way. Because then nothing's left to the viewer. You're basically watching an audiobook. Fair. And he wants visual. Right. If he's going to watch it, he wants to see it unfold. So that's fair. fair. Now, I have seen the whole series, and I would say that's a fair assessment, but you're getting only joe's point of view only this man's point of view and so yes they're explaining things but it kind of it'll take a twist later yeah it's kind of setting you up to then take a big old right turn i like that yeah i like that. i like, well, I like the narration i like I to like hear him think about things yeah and i thought it was hearkened to its bookish roots right exactly yeah like, yeah. yeah you know there's a man in a bookstore obviously he works there and a pretty young woman comes in and he has all these stereotypes. Bangle bracelets. You like a little attention. You're too sun-kissed for Stephen King. Ooh, I yeah. was like, do you have to be like white and pasty to read Stephen King? I don't know. I mean, who does he think reads Stephen King? I don't know. A lot of people read Stephen exactly. King. A lot of different kinds of people read Stephen King. So that it was interesting. It was a, I thought that was an interesting insight into who he was. Yeah, because yeah. how you assess somebody else more often tells somebody about who you are than actually who they are. Yeah, you know. exactly. Exactly. And so he ends up speaking to this young woman, as we'll find out. He is Joe. And the first word that he says to her is guilty. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even. I didn't even catch. Well, that. I mean, I caught that. I, I heard him say it, but I didn't really quite catch the foreshadowing. Yeah. That. Well, I only caught it the second time around. Mm. So, is it foreshadowing? Yes. Is it contrived? Also, yes. Do I love it even more on a rewatch? <laughs> Big yes. Big Y E S. Yes. <laughs> I loved it, and that's what makes this a. Guilty pleasure. Right. Stuff like that. Yeah, that so, makes sense. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I was in it pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And I, I can be very judgmental when it comes to shows and uh-huh. things. And I kind of was in it really quick. Yeah. And maybe it's just, you know what? Maybe it is a chick flick for me. But you know what? Uh, happy to do it. Yeah. The woman, we'll later find out she's Beck, is looking for a book by a woman named Paula Fox. Mm-hmm. And they have her in the celebrity section because she's Courtney Love's... Uh, maternal grandmother right she really is courtney loves maternal grandmother interesting Mm -hmm. i kind of felt like that must be true yeah but i didn't google it or anything i did (laughs) of course you did (laughs) don't worry i did (laughs) you know what maybe that's why i didn't because i knew i just knew that it was safely in your hands to do so she also did write a book called Desperate Characters. Oh, so that part is even true. That is even mm. true. Um, I don't know that that book really is uh, has a whole lot to do with this. But anyway, so Courtney Love, it's kind of an interesting story about Courtney Love and her maternal grandmother. Is they're, they're, They weren't close. Paula Fox passed away in March of 2017, I mm. think. So they weren't, but they'd only met a couple of times prior to her death wow really okay so there's a story so there's an article from the observer courtney loveless family tree (laughs) remains mystery as feud with grandma sizzles wow what a title so this is from 2013 and so the article author asked Courtney Love if she would be in attendance to watch her grandmother, Paula Fox, accept the Hadada Award. No, she would not. Then Courtney Love says, Paula's absolute dislike of me is shocking and inexplicable. I'm like, okay, so why? Okay, so it turns out Paula Fox had a baby. She put that baby up for adoption. That baby was adopted and became Linda Carroll. 
Okay. Who was Courtney Love's mother. And so it was only later in life that they met. Like, Linda Carroll didn't know who her mother was for many years. Okay. And so it wasn't until they were both adults Mm -hmm. that Courtney Love even was an adult that they, like, reconnected. Okay. And they just, they didn't get get along. So I thought that was kind of funny. And the I think the thing with Courtney Love is she really wanted to know who her maternal grandfather was. Mm-hmm. So she wanted to know who Linda Carroll's dad was. And Paula Fox either didn't know or wouldn't say. That causes such a rift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's possible it was Marlon Brando. What? She was like a socialite in uh, mm. in L.A. So I feel like maybe they don't get along because they're too alike. (laughs) Maybe. Well, not anymore. But, you know, when they were both alive. Yeah. (laughs) I read a little bit about the book, Desperate Characters, and I thought maybe it's just like a name that made sense in this context. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you hear a little noise, that is my dog snoring. Yeah. So we're just going to call that color. Texture. Because I can't pull that out very easily. Nope. She often so does this, actually. She, she does. I actually yeah. noticed it when I was editing yeah. the last episode that Ooh, we made. That should be like a contest. It is if you hear the dog, you should comment and tell us where it is and what timestamp, and then and then maybe maybe there's something in it for you. Ooh. We could have I don't know like what, a little Easter egg there. Ooh, that's a good idea. Yeah. I'll think of a prize. You guys comment. All right. All right. What I thought was most interesting, it's a middle-aged, Desperate Characters is about a middle-aged couple having a hard time in their marriage, they don't have any kids, they're, they have a, live in a neighborhood where there's a lot of crime and vandalism and they feel real paranoid. Mm -hmm. So, a little bit, paranoia kind of plays into this, but I thought really the reason they chose Desperate Characters was so they could have the celebrity aspect to it Mm -hmm. and also that the book and the author were acclaimed enough to be revered by these snobby characters right well because he does he has a has a stereotype for each person who comes in and buys a book and so the fact that she is looking for a less well-known a more of an indie artist type really speaks to him and yet it's in the celebrity section so that really makes him mad and so it's kind of interesting right but then later he guesses what the guy's gonna buy so the guy is in there and he's gonna buy the dan brown book yes right and that's so oh oh you know well and i thought that that was really telling it's really telling they're not nice to that man not no at all Mm -mm. not nice at all. No. They're and kind I'm of like, ooh, that says a lot about them, how cruel they are to him because he's buying a damn brown book. And they say, well, if that's your kink, just own it. I'm like, they don't really mean that. They're they don't really mean that. super unkind. And so I started out not really liking either one of these characters all that much. Right, because they they both have that snobbiness, and right. they're connecting over it, which is kind of funny because, ironically, it's exactly what he kind of doesn't like about her. Right. Is that she wants to be higher class, and she wants to be that socialite. She wants to do all of that uh, partying and the fancy and the whatnot. Exactly. But he is the same way. Yes. But he's just not able to do it. Yeah. And so he hates what he wants. Mm-hmm. Astute. <laughs> Astute. So we finally learn their names. She's Guinevere Beck, but goes by Beck. Literally one of the most interesting things about her is that <laughs> she goes by Beck. Like, everybody calls me by my surname. I'm like, okay, that's fine. And then we hear, yeah. he says his name is Joe Goldberg. And... I had a professor in college who would tell us that whenever we were reading something, we should ask ourselves the question, (laughs) who is this bastard and why is he lying to me? (laughs) And it just kind of makes you question everything that you're reading, that you don't automatically believe that the author is giving you the truth, because oftentimes they're not. Right. Yeah. Intentionally. Right. So I love the question. And on the other hand... Uh, does that ruin the experience of being kind of taken in and then... I think it kind of gives me the chance to be skeptical. 
For the same reason that women like true crime, we get to inhabit a Mm. smart woman. It kind of gives me the chance to kind of inhabit that without having to like do true crime stuff. That makes sense. You know, because I enjoy my skepticism. And and so, so I often will watch a show and I'll know exactly what's going to happen. Like it's just, and you're like super proud of yourself, right? I kind of love it. (laughs) And, and my husband's all, how do you enjoy anything? Was nothing a surprise? No, 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 but I really enjoyed watching it unfold. Mm -hmm. This is why I rely heavily on the entertainment value of certain movies because (laughs) Because the story, they try to be a certain, I don't know, aloofness that's supposed to be artsy. I don't know what they're going for, uh-huh. but it's obvious what the storyline is, and so it better be entertaining. Right. You know? Exactly. Um, but I do. I like the skepticism. It's fun. Yeah. Me too. Uh, so she smiled. She laughed. She shook his hand. She made conversation. Politeness is flirting. So... I think she had an air of flirt. She did, but I thought, you know, that kind of... It's a little tricky, right? Like, well, yeah. Because some people are just naturally friendly. True. And some people are flirtatious. And that is not... They can't not overlap. They can have the Venn diagram of overlapping. It's one of those... I think I come across as a flirt because I'm really friendly. <laughs> hey, have people told you this? I think I've come across that way. Huh. Interesting. Well, because I think that... It's one of those all flirting is mm. kind of friendly. Yes. But not all friendly is flirty. Okay. That's my thought. Okay. All bananas are fruit, but not all fruit are bananas. Oh, okay. That's good. Okay. Is bananas. So, whatever. Is our... I'm having a hard time with conjugation today, so please extend okay. some grace. <laughs> so, I thought... Let's look up psychology today and see what they have to say about flirting. Because this is what I do. <laughs> How to spot a flirt. How to spot a I flirt. Love it. This is like something out of Cosmo that we would have seen back in like the 90s. Yeah. 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 Okay. Along next to quizzes. Mm-hmm. You know, is he right? Is he the one? <laughs> you know, that one. <laughs> How accurately do people decipher flirting and non-flirting? Oh, this uh, is interesting. Yeah. So physical attraction is part of the equation. Being physically attracted to someone doesn't affect your perception of flirting. Just because they're cute doesn't necessarily mean that you think that they're flirting with you. And by the way, both men and women, yeah, we stink at identifying flirtatious behavior because i would have thought men were far worse than women oh no it's the other way around really so they did a study and only 18 percent of women accurately recognized men's flirting as flirting (laughs) and men did better they recognized 36 percent of the time that a woman was flirting with them I can't understand, evolutionarily speaking, how that's helpful to us. It's amazing that there are billions of us on the planet if we can't decipher flirting. (laughs) It's like, you know, step number one. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But people are much, much better at recognizing (laughs) non-flirting. So women can 83% of the time accurately tell that men are not flirting and 84% of the time men can tell women aren't flirting with them. So this speaks to the fact that we are very insecure individuals. We can, we can spot when it's not happening because our disappointment just is, (laughs) you know, (laughs) at this level to begin with. But if it's actually happening, we're so disappointed that we don't even see it. Yeah. Wow. We are very, is this all American? What was the sample group of this? Psh, I don't know. Hmm. I'm sure it said. <laughs> uh, Albright, 2010. Oh, yeah. They were brought into the lab. I would probably guess that. Interesting. Yeah. Well, it, it is amazing how many people are on the planet then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they said, how can you tell if somebody's really flirting? Look for their nonverbal signals. Smiling, leaning forward, touching, making eye contact. 
This is why I thought men would be worse at it. (laughs) Because they don't naturally have that ability to read nuance into the body language, you know? Um, And women don't mean to speak in between the lines sometimes. I think a lot of us anyways, in my circles, Mm -hmm. we don't really tend to want to speak between the lines, but we kind of are a little bit with our body language. And then we, we do, we make the mistake of getting disappointed when they don't read our minds or read an elbow twist at the wrong moment and you know all of these things um on the other hand they do miss it yeah you know fair fair she did a lot of those things so maybe he was maybe joe was picking up on accurately on beck's flirting well his co-worker was it, well yes so you know you can you listen for verbal flirting you consider the context flirting styles uh, predict flirting behavior. So, you know, it was interesting. Interesting. And it was interesting that you mentioned Ethan, the coworker. Yeah. Because Joe saw it and recognized it probably for what it was. Probably. It was probably flirtatious. Maybe iffy. Maybe a little iffy. Maybe she was just being polite. She could have been. It's hard to tell. She had a kind of a gregarious mm-hmm. personality. So it was, but when Ethan points it out, what Joe, we already know because of the narration, has recognized, he pretends to be above it all. Which I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. That's mm-hmm. a little insight into his character as well. A little? Yep. But I mean, it's not, I'm, I guess I wasn't surprised by it, but. I feel like a lot of people do feel that way. Right. They're interested. They're looking. They're kind of making a judgment there. Then they talk to them, and then they think, well, maybe they're not. And you kind of, as a defense mechanism, try to get above it before you know for sure. It's a little bit of, let me test the waters here. And so at first, except for the fact that they advertised it as like a horror series, um, at first, you're not really sure. It sounds actually kind of cute. Yeah. Yeah, like it's like it's gonna be like a chick flick, romantic it's comedy, kind of cute. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we meet Paco, the neighbor boy. He's got a mother and a who has a boyfriend with a highly contentious relationship. This was interesting because it really humanized Joe. I thought it made him a little more sympathetic mm-hmm. than you might otherwise be towards him considering what happens even later in this episode, not to mention later in the series. So that wasn't in the book. Paco really? and, and Claudia and his mother Claudia and her boyfriend Ron, who was the actor from Days of Our Lives, they they weren't in the book. That was added for the television series. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Well, you definitely have a limited amount of time on the screen, whereas in a book, you could probably drag on the narration quite a bit longer right. and, and achieve that same goal. Whereas, oh, in this, a, um, whereas in this, you might need to visually provide another plot line that explains that so that mm-hmm. so yeah. that you know. Because it does. It, it achieves the goal of making you realize the good and bad. Right. That there's something creepy about him, but there's also something very genuine about him. And then you're wondering which one is real or right. are both real. And I think... Uh, maybe a little bit both real mm-hmm. we could we can be complex creatures we can be very complex <laughs> creatures so that got me thinking about what might be some of the other things that were different between the book now if you've read the book which i know some of you out there have do let us know what you thought if yes. you watched the show and read the book what did you think about paco and mm-hmm. the addition of his character did you feel like it added or detracted or maybe made it a little more complicated yeah Um, i'd like to know yeah i'd like to know too i'd like to know if people who read the book thought of him as good and bad together or whether that was something they really went for in the in the screenplay yeah hmm yeah so i'm gonna talk Hmm. about some of the differences that we saw in the first episode okay so anything that's beyond the first episode i'm not going to talk about but one of the things that was different was that Beck's perspective is a lot clearer in the book. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. So she, in the book, she knows at least part of the time that she's being followed. And oh. she's kind of okay with it. Oh, 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 oh. Because that really speaks to something that I was thinking about. Oh, what's that? So I was at the end of the episode and I was kind of thinking about it. And I had, you know, started the next one, of course, because that's what you do on Netflix. Um but I was thinking about the fact that, ironically, this stalker is doing what we think we want as women sometimes. 
That's good. Yeah. I have, I have more to add to that. Oh, yeah. good. Yeah. Good. Okay. And Joe is a lot less sure of himself in the book. Oh. We see Joe is pretty like really sure of himself in this show. He's like really confident in what he's doing. Um, a friend of mine that I've known for many, many years, mm-hmm. uh, her name's Medrith. Hi, Medrith. Hi, Medrith. We're so glad that you're, you sent this to us. So she sent me a screenshot of a quote from Penn Bagley. In a more just society, we would all see Joe as problematic and not be interested in the show, said the U-star Penn Bagley here with Elizabeth Lale. There's a picture. I'll put it up. But that's not the society we live in. I was like, ooh, that's interesting. A more just society. So, I'm, having a, I'm having a process that. Okay, well, think about that. And Medrith and I chatted back and forth mm-hmm. a little bit. I'm like, hey, give me your thoughts. So she kind of gave me some thoughts. I pulled a couple quotes out of that Ooh. from her. So she said, I think individuals raised in the age of technological overload and immediate access to everyone and everything, including very personal details about lives once lived privately, can somewhat relate. That a certain level of research is expected. That line where it becomes stalking and creepy is blurred by the recognition of some of his, Joe's, habits that are similar to their own. I agree. Yeah. That, you know, I mean, honest, I mean, what do I do when I'm curious about something? I Google it. Yeah. Facebook it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's true. I do think in the past before technological overload, which is a great term, by the way. Yeah. I, I think we would have just asked our friends. We would have networked. But I think we wanted access to that, which is something that this, it solves something that we did already want. Right. I'm not sure that it's something that we got and then just started using without that inner desire to do that. But, right. but she's absolutely right. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Did I want to know? Did I go and ask my girlfriends, hey, do you know anybody who's dated this guy? Mm-hmm. Is he going to, you know take me in his car and go do something terrible. <laughs> you yeah. know, I yeah. asked my girlfriends that. Now you look him up on Facebook right. and see if there's something that jumps out at you that's really creepy. And and actually, it's funny because someone just today talked about somebody and they're not on social media. And I thought, well, that's just weird. That's a red flag. Yeah. Because I, actually, that the removal of that access is now more creepy. Hmm. See, and that's interesting <laughs> because I have a good friend that actually Medrith knows who recently got off of Facebook mm-hmm. because he found that he was just spending too much time. He didn't even really interact that much, but he was too like sucked into it and I have to look at the next thing. And he felt like it was consuming a part of his life that he didn't no longer wanted consumed. Absolutely fair. So, I think that's a different issue though. I think, I think I agree with that. I want people to be able to have boundaries. I'm, I'm technically an exennial. I think you're, X completely, right? For uh, generation? No, I'm like on the bubble. You're on the other bubble? I'm, I'm like on the very edge. Like it technically started in 77, mm-hmm. but I was born at the very tail end of 76. So I kind of... But your life is probably more X. Yes. You know, generations, y'all. Okay. And um, I'm I'm 80, so I was born right, right. at the edge of... Ex- you were on the other end mm-hmm. of and the... Millennial, so. I'm called the next Yeah. So um, I think growing up in that era feels different than people, I think, who have grown up with this at their fingertips from a young age. Right. I, I can't imagine that. And right. We were talking about another time where if those who are drawn to their phones and all of the notifications, and I'm like, not. If you yeah. call me, my first instinct is, why are they calling me and not texting me like a normal person? And, and even if the text sound goes off, I'm like, ah. I'm like peeking. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't want to really see it. I kind of, oh, I'm not really drawn to the notifications um, the same way like a typical millennial would be. Right. So I can totally understand, though, for those who grew up with a technological overload. Yeah. How that feels different than somebody like us who came right. into it, but after we were already at a mature age. Right. Yeah, I was in college before I got my first email address, mm-hmm. you know, so... Yeah. So, yeah. And she also had another good insight, which was, I don't think it is exactly the story that's being told that attracts viewers so much as the way it's being told. 
it's a relative fresh way that resonates. I'm like, that's true. Mm, fair. Of course, they cast fair. the right dude to get people. To yes, watch. because he's attractive, but not off-putting, but also kind of borderline creepy. Yeah, he's yeah. not creepy enough. He's not. He's not creepy until he starts behaving creepy. Right, but mm-hmm. just in and general. then you look and you're like. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. He starts stalking her on social media. Yeah. We do, we do use that term kind of loosely, don't well, we? Well, we do. And to- she obviously wanted him to know his name, know her name. Okay. See, now that part I didn't buy into. Oh, really? I didn't buy into the credit card being part of the flirt, but that she purposely said that she went by Beck and not Guinevere. Like, she was kind of... Re- the credit card in and of itself maybe wasn't the flirt, but that she point she made a point to, like, talk about her name mm-hmm. when he asked about it instead of saying, yeah, Guinevere. That's true. Yeah. That might make her flirtatious. Yeah. But I'm not sure that she was, like, begging him to No, to start her to go look her because, up. Because, you know... Yeah. But... FYI, people use Apple Pay. Just, you know, <laughs> keep some boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. That's why we have the chip cards. Yeah. So he kind of stalks her on social media. Not to victim blame at all. Mm -mm. But she really was not very smart about having everything set to public. So much of her life set to public. Mm -hmm. Her, Her schedule was way too visible for anybody just in the realm of people you don't know. Like, looking at it. Like I said. That said... The way he says it, you want to be seen, sounds a little too much like she was asking for it. Well, I think that's exactly what he's doing, is he's already, without any effort, he's naturally justifying as he goes along. You want to be seen, so I'm watching. So, like, she leaves the curtains open, broad daylight she everywhere. Have curtains. I mean, Which did she that even was have like, curtains? I don't think so. Don't she, that was super contrived to me. It was a that fast. was maybe the most contrived thing about the whole show. Right. Was like, you live on the first floor in this apartment that you would never be able to afford. And I know they explain it away with like subsidized housing. I still think. I'm sorry, but graduate student subsidized no, no. housing does not result there in like a, six of them in that apartment. At least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Sorry. It seemed really contrived that she didn't have any kind of, and that she would behave in the way she does in front of the windows. Exactly. Yeah. And so, but then him saying you must want to be seen is kind of, well, you're already starting to justify it. Exactly. Yeah, I was a little forced in certain areas, but you know, you try to suspend belief for a minute. You try to keep in the world for a minute. Right. Give it some grace, period, to get you roped in. Mm-hmm. Because he's interesting. Yeah. And that's that's I, the morbidness of a, it. <laughs> yeah, that's why it's a little concerning, is that I find him so interesting. <laughs> Okay, so let's just make a pact. We're never going to be those people who find serial killers in jail and write to them. Let's just, oh, yeah, no, Let's just no. make, we're not those people. No. We'll, we'll watch them on Netflix. <laughs> yes. But we're not going to go and fall in love and get married with a serial killer behind bars. No, but that's kind of like. happily married. <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> because that's a thing, you know. Uh-huh. That's a big thing. Right. And there's a whole science behind the attraction. Is there? It's the caretaking of it. The I can change you. Oh, don't we all say that? We're all like, oh, I can change you. You know? I mean, we could be married to Jesus and we'd be like, I can change you. (laughs) That ain't right, Jesus. We got to talk. You know? Yeah. Yep. Um, There's an article from The Guardian where they reiterated my thoughts. Okay. Which was that you don't victim blame the person, but her schedule was too public. And there's a line between saying it's the victim's fault and saying that as a human being, you need to be cognizant of how you're presenting yourself to the public world Mm -hmm. and whether you're giving strangers too much access. That's fair. Yeah. Those, Those things aren't mutually exclusive. Right. 
Um, but here's a little quote from this article. Uh, you treads a fine line giving Joe enough humanity to make him relatable, but never making his actions defensible. Which I Ooh. thought was really astute. It is smart enough to let us know that to sympathize with Joe would be complicit in his crimes. Oh, whoops. <laughs> Never mind. Erase that. I'm not, I, I, yeah, I don't sympathize at all. No, no. That, yeah, if we sympathize with him too much, it's like, yeah, are you okay? I said, whoops. Whoops. Yeah, yeah. because I totally did. I'm lying. I, oh. I sympathized. <laughs> You a did. little. Oh. A little. Okay, so I can sympathize with him, like, with the Paco bits. I can sympathize with that desire to, in the beginning, know just enough insider information to make myself available. And we have done this before, where you try to find out where they're going to be so that you can uh, run into each other, quote, unquote. And it's, it's, it's the stalker version of that so i understand why he figures out that he she's going here mm. i don't sympathize with him stealing her phone to do it no but on the other hand i sympathize with this desire to be like okay where are you going and then i'm gonna go and then i'm gonna be available and i'm gonna run into you you know and then that made him available to save her life you know right. and so i kind of get that desire when you're dating to have just about that much more information <laughs> just a little bit so just to make you seem like you're that in tune with them a little bit or that's, just that's what creating situations yeah. you know if if this was if this was friends i'd throw a party for somebody who's leaving the country and invite somebody so that i can have a time with them <laughs> if y'all don't know i watch friends from beginning to end and then i just start over again so <laughs> right now i'm in the i'm in that joshua time uh-huh, oh. where rachel throws a going away party for this girl emily uh-huh just so that she can have joshua over uh-huh and you then know? she wears the stuff <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny we can't even get the words out she wears the, the cheerleader, <laughs> the cheerleader costume. Yes, she wears the so cheerleader good. costume. But that's what that's what you do. But right. in this technological time, yeah, it, it it's a tough idea of where it's creepy and where it's acceptable. Yeah, and it's not it's not acceptable. But I did sympathize a bit with the desire in the beginning. Yes, but then he like goes to her apartment oh then he goes like code totally creepo oh, but yeah we'll get there all right so joe says that the least appealing thing about beck is her posts on social media and yet <laughs> he's super disappointed to not be in them yeah I'm like are you kidding me that is a statement of humanity right there it really is it really is Online life versus real life. So Joe states that her online life isn't real. And you're like, oh, yeah, no, really? (sighs) Yeah, because there's like, uh, put a pin in that. (laughs) So another Psychology Today article. Now this one, okay, I'm going to say it. It's a little old. It's from 2011. Okay. So it's a little old, but it's talking about like how... Technology affects our relationships within the real world and that it's kind of putting a a veil between it, that it's keeping us from a full and textured relationships with people, which, okay, I can kind of, I understand that. You know, you want sight and sound and smell and touch and balance and movement and temperature and all these emotions and He's saying that you don't really get those things from your online life. And then I found an article from 2015. The idea that online life isn't real is trite and harmful. So that's the article I like so far. Yeah, well, and I don't like the other one. Okay, well, now the other one's a little old. Well, I know, but so, I mean, as far as the debate goes, I, this is more my side. Well, and I, I kind of agree with that because it's a different kind of interaction. It's not less real. See, I'm floored because I thought for sure. Oh, that, that I would be the other way? You would fight for much more restriction, I, despite the fact that we podcast and use it to our advantage. I uh, I think there's a balance. Okay. I think you get out and do things, and when you're with people, you put the phone down unless you're taking a picture, mm-hmm. you know, or some way, some way preserving the memory. Mm-hmm. Okay? 
But you can't say that your interactions with people online are as real. They are and, real. And, and they're, they're real. And you lose some of the nuance, but you also get that barrier provides a chance for honesty in a way that you don't always get face-to-face. It's true. And I, I recognize that it also provides an opportunity to be a liar. I get that. But I think more often than not, what you get is honesty in a more authentic way. I think what we don't like is the fact that, and I'm about to get in trouble. What I don't like is the fact that some people honestly are jerks. (laughs) (laughs) And so when they get behind that veil, they're just keyboard warrior jerks. And you know what? Society's polite rules are, are there for them. Like, please present the politeness to us because the real you needs to continue to grow. Like, oh. we're not ready for that. Did you see the thing with Patton Oswald? No. I think it happened January 24th. He commented on some Trump post. Okay. Okay. And this guy trolled him, basically, replied to him on Twitter and was kind of a troll. And Patton Oswald, instead of going after him and attacking him and sicking his followers on this guy, he went and looked at his page and realized that he is going through some like really dramatic health mm. issues. Okay. And the guy had a GoFundMe and he donated $2,000 to the guy's GoFundMe and encouraged all of his followers to do the same and mm. said, of course he's angry because he hurts. Right. And, and it, I was like, Oh, that's beautiful. That's real life. That's, that's a, real life. That's real life online. That's, that's true. like it's saying true. I could have the opportunity mm-hmm. to be unkind, but instead I'm going to turn it around right. and do something See? else. See, behind a veil, he was and, still a good person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I get that. There are yeah. definitely extenuating circumstances for some people. It's when they lash out online. But I'm talking about a general pattern of, of how you present yourself online. I mean, when I was a kid... I was not cool. I, you know, I was not anything. You're super cool now. Thanks. I appreciate <laughs> that. Yeah, I was not. I had no confidence. But online started to provide a way on ICQ, by the way. Ha ha. Date yourself. Um, <laughs> ICQ gave me an opportunity to just to be real with people. And, you know, you could go to chat rooms and you had these friends. And I had these friends all over the world. And I could just be so real that they had no context in which to judge me based on who I used to be when I was growing in that particular area of life. So I didn't have baggage. Right. And I could grow with that. And, you know, getting home and realizing they were online was like, yay! <laughs> you know, and that was so exciting. But um, your your friend um, Medrith commented, and I have to read this. Okay. Um, By checking in at every location, you are offering your schedule to every viewer of your social media. And I do think that that is where... You do have to start to be careful just the same way. Because if it is real life, then we have to treat it with real life kind of boundaries. The same way we would protect ourselves by not parking in the darkest area or, you know, those sort of things that we might want to do. Yeah. And I only check in occasionally. Mm -hmm. It depends on, like, how specifically do I want or need to remember this particular thing? Or how many points do I want for checking in to go towards my loyalty (laughs) rewards? (laughs) I don't ever check in for that oh, reason, really? but I believe you. Yeah. <laughs> so, so like I went to a concert last weekend uh-huh. and I checked in, I wanted to remember all the restaurants we ate at. And oh, stuff. Okay, so yeah. I checked in everywhere, but I check in like as we were leaving smart and I made sure that they were set not to public. Smart. So only friends. if you're on my friends list, then you can see where I'm at. That's really smart. Yeah. That's a really smart thing. But I usually wait until like either the end or I might check in after I've already left. Right. I'll check in there. And that's more to remember what I did. So when it comes up in my time hop next year. I'm going to comment on our our podcast live stream. I'm going to say be smart. Check in when you leave, not when you arrive. Yep. I'm going to say this is a hashtag... Christy smart tip. Oh, thanks. That's awesome. Oh. I like that. That's so helpful. Oh, okay. I'm going to do that. Yeah. Unless I, mean, I need the loyalty rewards for that transaction, yeah. in which case I'm going to have to make an exception. And then you, and then you check in. And first. then I'm going to check in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what I think the idea in this Wired article, it says in the headline that it can be harmful mm-hmm. to call it 
not your real life. And that has to do with stalking and bullying. Can I add one? Sure. Pornography. Oh, sure. We won't that talk too. about that anymore because we we, yeah. we keep this podcast clean. But between those three things, relationships, online relationships, okay, we'll put it that way, online relationships, and then these other things. Because we right. you don't call that real, right? then you well, act like the betrayal isn't real. And so also online bullying. And online because bullying. Because it specifically, mm-hmm. it's a female writing this article, Julianne Ross. Mm-hmm. She was 26 at the time she wrote this article. It's a few years old. But she talked... Something to the effect about being harassed online mm-hmm. that it can be tricky to get that recognized as something yes. that can be harmful. So if you go to the police, they're not always super responsive to that. They're like, it's just online. Yeah, they dismiss it. It's don't dismiss yeah, it. Yeah, no, don't don't dismiss, don't dismiss it. it. That's a really fair point. Yeah. And and I don't think it I don't think that recognizing it as a real thing means that you don't set boundaries if you are addicted to it, spending too much time on Facebook or whatnot. Right. I think that's a problem just like maybe spending too much time in a hobby and taking time away from your family can be. Right. Those are just across the board. Like, yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So Joe really starts stalking her in earnest. He moves offline and he's learned about her schedule online. So he knows where she's going to be. All the time. All the time. We learn about her rich friends that she can't keep up with, her incredible subsidized and curtainless apartment that we've mentioned already about her (laughs) on a curtainless. It's a curtainless apartment. It's a curtainless apartment. Uh Um, Her on again, off again boyfriend, Benji, who's a trust fund kid and erstwhile's artisan soda creator. This guy. Oh I my couldn't. gosh. I mean, he was probably of a show full of really fairly unlikable characters. <laughs> Absolutely the least likable. And yet also extremely entertaining because he, he makes me think of John Christ's like um, Adopt-A-Millennial. Oh, yep. <laughs> you know, he's like Decker's evil twin. <laughs> We'll have to post that. Yeah, we will. (laughs) So we learned that Beck's professor has the hots for her, that evidently reporting a gas leak can help you break into an apartment in New York City. Seemed a little far-fetched. You would think that the guy checking the gas leak would shut the door. Yeah, but he comes in, he opens up, and he goes, Beck! But the door was open. It was a little open. It was a little open. But he was... was, It was not his first rodeo, because he walked in like... Beck, why are we leaving the door open? I thought we talked about that. And then the guys just took it. Hook, line, and sinker. Mm-hmm. Wow. Very much. Yeah. We learn that Joe really does see himself as the lead in a romantic comedy. He does. Because she comes home and he hides in the shower and the shower gets turned on. He thinks it's... And it is very amusing. It's very But funny. in a... The creepiest way. It's so creepy because I laughed because his little joke was funny. He's like, "Oh, great! Now I'm a lead in a romantic comedy," and you're kind of like, oh, "That is something that would happen to a lead uh-huh. in a romantic comedy." And yet, that's really creepy, dude. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Really that's scary. Really super creepy. So stalking behavior. Here are some things that stalkers do. From this is the Stalking Resource Center, which I think is maybe a little bit of an unfortunate name. I think it's like. <laughs> <laughs> it should be like victim stalking support uh, resource center. I mean, almost, it should be something. It's, it kind of sounds like it's supporting the stalkers. Almost anything would have been better. <laughs> but their their website's good. <laughs> Victimsofcrime.org. Oh, thank God. That's it's not a, the stalkerresources.org. <laughs> no, it's not. And I'm like, okay, they, they're trying. They're, they've got a lot of good information. Know, bless their heart. Bless their heart. So some things that stalkers do... That Joe also did. They follow you and show up wherever you are. What women want. Check. <laughs> this is crazy. This whole thing is kind of interesting to me. They monitor your phone calls or computer use. Mm. Check. Yeah. <laughs> use technology like hidden cameras or GPS to track where you go. Find Check. friends. <laughs> Drive by or hang out at your home, which... You know, Joe totally did in a Joe's super totally creepy way. Don't watch it with your kids around. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, no, no, no. Put them to bed. This, this, this is a adult show. Find out about you using public record and online search. 
I'm glad you're not a stalker because you know what? You'd be good at it. I would be good at it. <laughs> Have you ever thought about that? Did that has that ever scared you? No. <laughs> no, because I use my powers for good. <laughs> Superhero like even. Yeah. You are not to blame for your stalker's behavior. Always keep that in mind. Yes. That despite the fact that you've made made if you even if you've made poor choices, that doesn't give them permission to stalk you. Right. Yeah. There are seven and a half million people who are stalked every year in the United States. That's flabbergasting. Uh-huh. That's a lot of like 300 and some odd million people. Seven and a half million are, I mean, it's a small percent, but that's a lot of people. Oh, yeah. 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 That's like a bigger percentage than people who die when they fall down the stairs, which we learned about in the staircase episode. Yes, it is actually a larger percentage. About 20% of stalking victims are stalked by a stranger. Mm. So again, a small percent, but more than you would think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the highest rate of stalking occurs for people who are age 18 to 24. This had femicide, which I didn't realize was a word. It's the murder of a woman. Femicide. Oh, 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 oh. I get that now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, but I didn't realize it was a term. In case anybody else is having that moment with me, homicide, Femicide. Uh huh. Patricide is Patricide. killing a Yeah. There's all kinds of sides. <laughs> <laughs> all kinds of sides to murder. Oh, isn't that comforting? Two thirds of stalkers pursue their victims at least once a week. 78% of stalkers use more than one means of stalking, mm. which, you know, for God bless the internet for all that it gives us, that's a, the seedy underside of it. That's true. Yep. But stalking is a crime in all 50 states. Yes. If you're being stalked, report it. And if the police don't believe you, report it again. And, and tell report a it friend. And tell a friend. You so, must report it to a friend and let them know what's going on and give them some sort of protected access to you yes. to help keep you safe. Yes. Yes. Like sharing your location. On your phone, you can very often share your location at any time mm-hmm. with your friends. So if you're going on a blind date or something like that, you may want to pick a friend. There are I'm going to share my location with that. If you do it, if you have an iPhone, you can do it through your messaging app yes. easily. There are apps, find my friends, you can do that. Yeah, there are apps you can download that make you check in every so often. And oh. if you miss a check-in, it notifies an emergency Ooh. set of people that you determined. And so if you're going out on yeah. a blind date... That's a great one. Yeah. Even if you're, it's not a blind date. Right. Even if it's somebody you've been out with before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you're being stalked, you can call the Victim Connect hotline for help. They'll help you connect you to resources in your area. Mm-hmm. 855, the number four, and Victim, V-I-C-T-I-M. Also, 855 2846 So if you need help, please reach out. Yes. We kind of learn also, Beck goes to do a poetry reading, and we learn that her friends aren't really very supportive of her, which I was really of two minds of that. I'm like, mm-hmm. they went out and they showed up for this. Yeah. They and they did. didn't think it was a good idea, but they did it and they were there. Well, they're just a little catty, a little snarky. Well, and so, you know, they kind of talk behind her back. But on the other hand, I think they really do care about her. Yeah. At least so far, it seems like they really care about her. On the other hand, they just think this whole poetry thing is a joke. I think they think it's beneath her. Well, yes. It's not that they don't like her. Right. They think that she's not very good at it. And really, she just needs to find a rich husband so she can play with them all day. Exactly. So they like her. They just don't really care for this thing. That was my impression yeah. i don't know joe doesn't like seeing how her friends treat her fair fair i didn't like it either Mm-mm. but you know on the other were, hand yeah on the other hand they were there and they were supporting her and peaches they, offered help i mean right may, maybe it does feel a little offensive to offer that kind of money and think that you can just but on the other hand she means it well to say quit quit struggling just let us help you like right. we've been given this thing just sharing it yeah and um, even joe recognizes it oh yeah. maybe there is a real friend there right but they did let her leave extremely drunk alone yes they did and 
she happens to stumble down onto the very same subway platform where Joe is waiting for a train and she drops her phone and falls onto the tracks and he helps her up just in the nick of time, which was a little, you know, contrived. You wonder, but you wonder how much Joe knew about what was about to happen. How, oh, how really? ahead of her was he? Because he was there. He was at the poetry reading. He saw her reading. He saw her drinking. Um, but it had a, I, there's no way he could have known that she was going to leave alone. Well, I don't know. Maybe he saw her start to leave and he skipped ahead. Got mm. ahead of her. Got down mm. there. He certainly watched her stumble and almost fall several times. And he never went over there and said, hey, hey, hey. Well, you don't want to give me? up the game. No. Because he could have just ran into her there. He yeah. could have just said, oh, my gosh. It's you. Like, uh-huh. he could have done that. Instead, he waited for her to fall and so pulled her out. So that he could save her. Yeah. It was mm. a little um, hero homicide going on there. Mm. Ooh. Hero homicide. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> Maybe my podcast angel podcast. <laughs> I'd be my podcast angel podcast. <laughs> um, so that got me thinking, how many times do people fall on the tracks in <laughs> subways. I'm going to take a guess. I'm gonna, I have not seen what you have uh-huh. here. I think it's way higher than I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, how high do you think it is? I and I'll think, tell you whether it's higher or not. I think about 2 to 3% of all subway users I don't know what the fall. number of subway users is. Oh, I only okay. have an actual number. Oh, well, then I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> I'd have to do okay. math. <laughs> so there's about 900 incidents a year where somebody ends up on the tracks. That oh. was in 2017. About 900 people ended up on the tracks. I think that's lower than I thought. Oh, okay. Oh, good. I'm surprised. I'm glad. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for those 900 people, not so good. <laughs> and for all the people who get delayed, also oh. not good. <laughs> now, wait, wait, they fall on the tracks, but... Oh, so fall on the tracks out or hit. Yes. So that's a whole group. So we don't know how many people were actually hit versus how no. many people just fall. Okay. The there were 900 incidents in 2017 in which someone was on the tracks or was hit by a train after getting too close while on the platform. Okay. So we, we don't really have a breakdown of numbers here. No. Okay. Um, very few of them are suicide attempts mm-hmm. or intentional being pushed. Ooh. Have they have they accounted for the owls? <laughs> <laughs> no, they have not. They have not come. They have done no mention of owls on the subway. Beware of men in owl suits <laughs> near any sort of stairways. Yeah, they or, say it's mostly uh, people who are drunk, confused, <laughs> or looking for a place to urinate. Uh, awesome. Or they drop something and try and retrieve it on their own. That's most of it. Okay. Yeah. So I was like, that seemed like a lot to me. Uh, they've discussed a solution, like in London, mm-hmm. they have like glass or plexiglass walls and doors that open, but it would cost about a billion dollars, with a B, billion dollars to retrofit all of the 472 stations. Well, dang. In New York to be able to do that. So. Um, oh, wow, that is a lot of money to put yeah. up some plexiglass. I feel like I feel like that shouldn't be that hard. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean they're fairly large. You got and they've got to have mechanisms that door yeah, that yeah. open the doors. And but I think that's a good solution. Uh, yeah, I, I mean I can see that it's maybe cost prohibitive, but yeah, I was like, well, does this redeem Joe at all? Mm, no, he steals her phone. Yeah, he uses this opportunity to steal her phone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she gives him her email address, which is beckinreallife at gmail.com. I totally emailed it. I did got, you? I did. <laughs> I, I love was, you. I'm so glad you thought to do that. I got nothing back. Aww. So I'm sure it's, it's, if they ever responded, it was probably when the show was first on or I don't know if that was in the book or not. Maybe. But, but that's interesting. Yeah. You know what's interesting is that for all the dumb things she does, then she acts like that's some major security measure that she's taking to she get her She didn't even email. have a password on her phone. I didn't even know you could have a phone where you didn't have a password. Oh, yeah. You don't have to. In fact, I only really started putting a password on when I started using things like Apple Pay and saving what? things like that. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding? 
I don't know what it was, but I didn't have any personal information on there, really. Like, it wasn't when I first got it. Okay. Like, when okay. I first got it, I was like, oh, why do I need a password? I never had a password before. Okay. What? People are going to see all my newsletters from, like, stores I like? <laughs> I mean, what? Is, what you know. Okay. I don't know. But, I, I mean, eventually I understood and got on board. But I was a little tardy to the party with oh, that one. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. that's all right. And to I this day, I have a four-digit Mm-hmm. Not even. I didn't know that your fancy iPhone would let you only have yeah. a four-digit. Yeah. I think that's not smart. I but know. okay, that's fine. Um, and then we end up the show. Benji is all excited to meet the reviewer from the New Yorker style section. And who is the reviewer from the New York style section? Joe. Joe. Joe lures him down into the basement of the bookstore where he works, where there is a temperature-controlled room to preserve the books. Mm -hmm. And Joe smacks him in the head with a mallet because he's murderous and not redeemable. No, he is not. He is not redeemable. And if he was redeemable at this moment, he's not. Yeah, no, it's hard. Oh, and you know what, uh, Medra said, I didn't put a password on until I started working at a school with teenagers. Well, I'm glad that I Jackie's not alone. I think you're both. <laughs> so uh, we could be friends. <laughs> you could be friends. She's yeah. very nice. I think you both should have. Uh, well, you know what? I'm redeemed now. Like, I have a password. Everything's fine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's good. My face is my password now. All right, and that's where the first episode ends. Well, actually, it doesn't quite end there. Joe goes down into the basement, and Benji <laughs> pleads with him, you have the wrong guy. And in the most chilling way possible, Joe says, no, I don't. Yes, and, and I'm poor like, Benji. <sighs> poor Benji. Yes, poor Benji. He didn't deserve to get hit in the head with a mallet and trapped in a... <laughs> In I mean, he was class a jerk. box, but he is a really a class A jerk. Yeah, he's a jerk, you know, but it doesn't warrant being murdered by no, it doesn't. weird soccer guy. You gotta give him a chance to grow. Mm-hmm. We all need the space you to know. grow. Well, and to be fair, you know, I, I like Beck, and I'm not blaming her, but I don't think it was a wise decision to continue to hook up with him and to like try to have a relationship with this guy. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, for all her own it. Own your kink. Well, just own your kink. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm Quit saying? Quit trying to have a relationship yeah. with this guy. Yeah. So either accept what it is or just let it go. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but none of that, you know, is worthy of what they got. No. No, definitely not. Yeah. All right. Do you have any other thoughts? Anything else that stuck out at you? Um, I just, you know, I keep coming back to this idea that I, I think there is a, I don't know how to say it, but some ethereal idea that we should have people chase us and pursue us. And it's really ironic. It really sticks out to me, this irony of he is a best boyfriend to her, kind of, in the beginning there, because... He's doing the pursuit. He's the pursuit, and he knows these things, mm. and I can understand how she didn't recognize it, because it's it's the dream, right? To be pursued, to be heard, to be known. You know, um, in a weird way, you start to think, I'm important enough that they want to know me. And, and so I could imagine that as this goes on, it's going to become more clear, but I could also understand the struggle, between and I don't know where it's going because I have only seen episode one and two. So yeah. I am continuing, but I still think it's an interesting thing. I'm kind of weirded out by it, and I'm like, I I want that ideal to change. Yeah, that's fair. Hmm. That's fair. I think it's normal to want to be pursued. Yeah, but he's not wrong. The romantic comedies—that's what this is about. It is. Yeah, and you never with the you know the cutesy music and the happily ever after ending mm-hmm. you don't really see it as the creepy and nefarious thing that yeah it really kind of is it really kind of is and so i don't know i, I just it's really stood out to me how mm-hmm. we want to be seen and heard for who we are but really what we want is to be seen and who 
heard for who we think we are. Oh, and who we aspire to be. Yeah, and who we aspire to be. Mm-hmm. Fair, mm-hmm. fair. All right, so if you have thoughts, do find us on social media, at Killer Fun Pod on Twitter, Killer Fun Podcast, exploring the intersection of crime and entertainment on Facebook. And for those of our Facebook friends who are watching, Thank you so much. Yes. Thanks for so, joining us. Yep. It was a good time. This yep. is our first time doing this. Yeah, we, we might do it again. We might have it's to do this again. It's kind of fun. So next time... Oh, and if you don't have the social media, if the few of you... Well, you're here, so you do. But our listeners... Yes. Our listeners, not have, yeah. who, you can uh, send us an email, killerfunpodcast at gmail.com. And unlike back in real life at gmail.com, I'll, I'll answer. Yeah. <laughs> So, next time, we're going to do Looper. I'm so excited. Yeah. Uh, Bruce Willis, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Emily Blunt. This is crossing into sci-fi a little bit, but it definitely is nice and crimey and the kind of thing we enjoy. Yeah, because so. I kind of love the sci-fi aspect. That's something I love. So, this is... I cannot wait. And I've seen this before. Yeah, I have too. Oh, good. going to rewatch yeah. it. This is... This is... The- <laughs> Another movie that I knew nothing about it, and my head is. I know if you listen to this podcast, you think I just go to the movies with my husband, not knowing what any of the movies are, because I, every time I mention a movie, I'm like, "Well, Josh wanted to see this, and, and I didn't know anything about it." But if he wanted to see it in the movie theater, I went with him. I knew nothing about Looper; I had no idea what it was about, and I was delightfully surprised because I thought it was really good and really fun. So we're going to talk about that the next time. Mm -hmm. And until then, thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Thanks for choosing to uh, spend your time with us. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye.